good morning, good afternoon, good evening. You're listening to the Thai Expat Daily Show. I'm your host, Kieran Mack, and thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to like this video if you're watching us on YouTube, and please do subscribe. We're also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and a host of other podcast players. Now that that's all done, let's jump into today's show. And we'll start off with the daily numbers. Thailand logged 10,919 new COVID-19 cases and 143 more fatalities during the previous 24 hours, the Public Health Ministry announced on Tuesday morning. There were 10,497 cases in the general population and 422 among prison inmates. On Monday, 11,694 COVID-19 patients were discharged from hospital after recovering from the coronavirus. Since April 1, when the third wave of COVID-19 began, Thailand has treated 1.4 million COVID-19 patients, with 1.3 million of whom have recovered to date. So the number now is egging closer to being below that 10,000 mark. Now there is 6,000 probable cases, which means there's 6,000 positive ATK tests, and uh, we'll be waiting for the results of them. So they may be added on to tomorrow's numbers, which could probably boost it up again. But things are looking a little bit better, and as we always say, there is a lot more light at the end of the tunnel. Now our first story of the day, 19 arrested at luxury villa as Rawai party busted. Shillong police in Phuket have arrested 19 people, including Thais and foreigners, at a party at a luxury villa in Rawai for a breach of COVID-19 prevention rules currently enforced by holding an illegal gathering. The landlord of the property has also been arrested for obstruction of arrest, said a report by the Moang district officials. The luxury villa, located within the Crystal Villa residential estate in Rawai, near Nyharn Lake, was raided at 1am Saturday, officers reported. The raid was led by Moang Phuket district officers, joined by the sub-district chief, along with the village chief of Mu 7 Rawai. Present to make the arrest were Shillong Police Deputy Chief of Investigation and other officers from the police station. The 19 suspects arrested included Thais and foreigners, the report noted. The 19 were all taken to Shillong Police Station and charged for violating Phuket Provincial Order 5409-2564, which was brought into effect to regulate the measures for closing venues and prohibiting activities that are at risk of spreading COVID-19. The charges were pressed specifically regarding Section 4 to refrain from organising festive parties, birthday parties, housewarming parties, transport parties, banquets and performances, or just for pleasure on various occasions. The report by officials noted that the 19th suspect arrested was also charged with physically obstructing officers from, from performing their duties. All the suspects were detained and taken to the police station for prosecution. No names of those arrested were released. It was not reported whether any of the suspects would face additional charges for breach of the emergency decree or breach of Communicable Disease Act as warned in the provincial order. So welcome to the sandbox where you can go out and you know get arrested for having a gathering with 19 people at a upscale villa. Now it makes you wonder what kind of headlines the Phuket police wish to make and what kind of signal they're sending out to people around the world with this kind of nonsense. If I'm a sandboxer or a potential sandboxer, I'd be looking at going, geez, I can get arrested for having a drink and going to a small gathering because I'm sorry, 19 people is not a large gathering. Let's be frank and honest. I think the rules in Phuket at the moment are selectively being enforced in various different places. As I said, and it's being reported in other media, there are loads of clubs and bars open on Bangla Road and around Patong. But yet a blind eye is completely turned to that. But yet, 
you know, a small party is raided by half of the uh, army and police and 19 people arrested for enjoying themselves on an island that's meant to be, what, 75% vaccinated, nearly 100% with first doses. Come on, it's all nonsense, I think. But yeah, what do you think about this? Do you think this is the uh, sandbox heaven they've been talking about for months? Doesn't sound like it to me. And now just to add on to that previous story, Thai and foreign customers arrested for allegedly drinking alcohol and playing pool at Koh Samui restaurant. A group of Thai and foreign customers were arrested at a restaurant in Boput Subdistrict and Koh Samui last Saturday after allegedly drinking alcohol beverages, gambling and shooting pool, violating Suratani provincial orders to prevent the spread of COVID-19 virus. About 20 customers were caught drinking alcohol inside the restaurants and playing pool upon a police arrival. The officials then approached the owner of the shop for an initial inspection. The owner allegedly confessed to selling alcoholic drinks to the customers and hiding the drinks by putting them in ceramic coffee mugs to attempt to fool the officials. She was initially charged for selling alcoholic beverages and allowing others to consume alcohol and play pool inside the restaurant. All of the customers were taken to a local police station for further questioning and legal proceedings. Under emergency decree laws, they could face stiff fines and even potential jail time. And this is the advertisement that TAT now are sending out for the Samui Plus scheme. At some point, somebody's going to have to sit down and talk with provincial officials and say, we need to stop this nonsense. Having a few beers, playing a bit of pool, betting on your pool game, raided by the police and everyone arrested. Is this the Thailand people remember from a few years ago? Doesn't sound like it to me. And our next story, alcohol, cigar duty cuts dangled to lure foreigners. The custom department is preparing to lower duty on the import of alcoholic beverages and cigars by 50% for five years in line with the government's economic stimulus and investment promotion package. Pachara Antulasilapa, Director General of the Department, said the cuts are in accordance with the September 14th Cabinet Resolution involving plans to revive the post-COVID-19 economy by encouraging wealthy foreigners and highly skilled professionals to stay and work in the country. The scheme is hoped to draw more than a million qualified people in Thailand over the next five years and generate about a trillion baht over the period. Cuts in import duties will be part of the mix. The group is expected to spend on average 1 million baht per person per year while staying and working here. Benefits in the package also include a 10-year visa for approved special visitors along with their spouses and children, the same rate of income tax as Thai citizens, a tax exemption for income earned abroad and the right to ownership of property and land. Mr. Pachara said that 30% of products are likely to be covered by the planned cuts and ministerial regulations will be announced after the changes are made. He said the department is also preparing to revise custom procedures for personal items for arriving and departing passengers. Now this is all part of the government's grand scheme to lure, that's lure, yes, foreign rich expats to Thailand where they will part with their hard-earned money for government bonds and the opportunity to maybe buy some land and skip doing a 90-day report. I have yet to figure out what the correlation is between reducing duty on alcohol and cigars and attracting these rich people to the country. 
I'm pretty sure if you're very, very wealthy, you're not concerned with the price of a bottle of booze or a few cigars. And also, is that their vision and idea of what rich foreigners do, sit around drinking alcohol and smoking cigars all day? It's just such an odd, odd thing to incorporate into this whole new policy. I was reading a very interesting article uh, on Twitter that was published by a Thai lady, and her point was that this is all just nonsense. And the first thing that they should be doing is looking after the expats and foreigners that live in Thailand at the moment and making things easier for them. There are a lot of people here who are married to Thai ladies or Thai men who contribute to this country for many, many years and have to jump through the same hoops over and over. Inch thick paperwork every year to get a visa extension the constant 90-day reporting, the ridiculousness of the various rule changes depending on which immigration office you go to. In other words, there are no standard rules in each immigration office. Simply put, they just make their own rules up as they go along. And what you did last year to apply for your visa extension could be completely different this year depending on the mood of the officer. And all this kind of stuff needs to be addressed by the government to make things easier for people. If a man's married to his wife for 10 years, he should have a bit more security than a one-year extension of his visa every year. That to me seems a logical approach to things more security. If a man is married to his wife for that period of time, should he be allowed to own some land? Now, I've seen a lot of pushback with this whole land thing as well that's been mentioned by the government allowing these rich foreigners to buy land. And I've seen people within the industry of real estate calling it treasonous for foreigners to be able to own land. So I think there could be issues regarding that coming up as well. But I do find it interesting that Thailand seem to be always chasing the, you know, the golden egg, the quick buck. Let's see, can we make some quick money? You know, let's not think about our long-term future and how we can plan things a little bit better. Maybe make it easier for people who genuinely like this country, who try to make a life here, who support Thai families and things like that. I'm hoping at some point, maybe a new government will come in and start to think a little bit differently than these old kind of army Thai dictators. And this is just another story now to follow up on the previous story about the rich foreigners and the investment opportunities. Restrictions on foreign residents' land ownership in Thailand to remain. Long-staying foreigners can only own at most 49% of a condominium building and cannot own land in Thailand, but can rent land on a long-term basis under a special law such as the Thai Investment Law for Investing in the Eastern Economic Corridor, Mega Projects, a Deputy Government Spokesman, Ms. Trasari Trasarkankul, she said that the cabinet's decision last week regarding the granting of incentives to foreign investors or wealthy pensioners to persuade them to reside or to stay long-term in Thailand, including long-term visas and other privileges, has caused widespread confusion as well as concern among Thais, particularly regarding land ownership by foreigners. Noting that the cabinet's decision needs to be clarified, she said that the basic principle that foreigners cannot own land in the kingdom remains unchanged. Foreigners can own only 49% of a condominium building or 49% of the entire room space of the building, while the remaining 51% must be owned by Thai nationals. She added, however, that foreigners can rent land in Thailand long term, but they must comply with special laws such as the EEC law. The four groups the government would like to lure to Thailand include high-income earners, foreign retirees, experts in various fields, and those who want to use Thailand as their base for work. Now, as you can see, we've just discussed this, but this just shows you that they don't want to give anything away for your actual investment. They want your money, and in return, they'll give you 
a bit of a long stay visa and you don't have to do a 90 day report. Thank you Thailand, much appreciate it. Now our next story, reopening of capital must be safe. Welcoming tourists back to Bangkok hinges on three factors including that 70% of its population are fully vaccinated which could push the reopening near mid-November according to the City Hall. Bangkok's governor, Aswin Kwan Muang, said on Monday, Bangkok was keen to restart its tourism business, but for the health safety of its residents, the city hall has decided any reopening will only go ahead after it has satisfied three criteria. One criterion, police general Aswin said, is that 70% of the city's population must have received two doses of vaccines. Such a target is expected to be met around October 22nd, and some 7 to 14 days after that is when people's immunity has been built. The tentative time frame could see Bangkok's tourism industry resuming somewhere in the first or second week of November. Governor Aswan said the second factor for reopening to proceed is if daily caseloads continue to drop and there are fewer COVID-19 patients in hospitals. In recent days, between 2,700 and 2,800 daily infections have been reported. The final criterion is that there are fewer people with COVID-19 in hospitals, he said. The governor said, if and when the targets are achieved, the City Hall will discuss with the Public Health Ministry and the Tourism and Sports Ministry to set guidelines for tourism reopening before conveying them to the Centre for COVID-19 Situation Administration. At present, just 42% of Bangkok's 7 million residents have been double jabbed, said CCSA spokesperson Apisamai Surang Sung on Monday. People's safety comes first in reopening plans. She said the BMA will hold talks with Phuket's authorities tomorrow to learn from the experience of the island sandbox scheme. Fewer than 1% of the 32,000 fully inoculated tourists tested positive during their stay. Now, regardless of the complete calamity show that went on last week in the announcement of the reopening of Bangkok, when it went from October 1 to October 15 to November to various different dates by various different ministers and agencies, the Bangkok governor is essentially laying out a plan to reopen the city and the time frame as to when it can happen. Now, there's nothing wrong with his plan and actually seems to be well thought out, which is something you never see so much here in Thailand, a well thought out plan. The first thing being that 70% of the population of Bangkok is fully inoculated and they've had a chance for the second dose to take effect in their body. And then, of course, the number of patients in bed and the actual number of COVID in the Bangkok area, you know, on a daily basis. These things are common sense approaches, which doesn't seem to be something that the CCSA or the public health ministry seem to be kind of thinking. Everybody's in a hurry to rush to open things up. And it's nice to see a governor, although maybe trying to have a kind of a power play in all this as well, using a little bit of that common sense. People's safety is paramount at the end of the day, regardless of tourism and the hospitality industry. And yes, people are suffering. But at the end of the day, too, you know, the governor's job is to protect the well-being of people. So if we're looking at this kind of scenario right now, the numbers are going down around the country. I mean, Bangkok, as you said, between 2,700, 2,800 cases a day. That is down to 3,000 cases from, you know, two weeks ago. So there is progress being made. The vaccination looks like 70% will be hit around the 22nd of October. Then you have to wait a couple more weeks. So I would say we're looking at somewhere around November 15th. Now, one of the things he talks about is these SOPs and a plan to reopen after, you know, when they get to that stage. Now, the government has spoken about making a standardized set of rules for the whole country to reopen. And I think that needs to be really followed. There's currently too many 
many regulations in this country for both international and domestic tourism. Every province has their own entry requirements and it's making it very difficult to travel and very difficult to really even just have a day-to-day life. You can go from, let's say, Phuket to Panya province and you have your vaccination certificate and ATK test kit. The same if you want to go to Phuket. Yesterday I was reading in Khan Ken that people from the dark red zones have to have be fully vaccinated with PCR tests and if you don't have any of that, you're just in 14 days quarantine and crabby. They have their own regulations. So they need to come up with a plan and they need to have the same plan used throughout the whole of Thailand. And I think that will make a great difference. Now, I was just reading yesterday as well. They've been discussing about getting domestic tourism up and going within the country and having less restrictions and less entry requirements to provinces is a must. If you're not going to relax those restrictions, don't expect people within Thailand to travel. Domestic tourism can be a hell right now to hospitality businesses if done properly. And the remainder of this year needs to be built up based on domestic tourism and some international tourism and building a confidence within the Thai domestic market and Thai people in general that international travelers coming from abroad pose no threat. Now look, we know that they don't, but there is this kind of fear amongst many, many Thai people that foreigners somehow are the mass carriers of COVID when in fact they're not. And we know this is an irrational fear, but it's been there from the very beginning of the pandemic last April in 2020. So these are things they do have to overcome as well. I do hope people start to take this a lot more seriously than they are. I think the government need to talk to themselves. I think there needs to be one spokesperson for all of this. And I think, you know, having a governor and various different ministers having their say each and every day causes nothing but confusion to travel agents and and to potential tourists. So these things need to be looked at. I'm feeling a little bit more confident because I'm starting to see the numbers come down, but I'm not as confident in the Thai bureaucracy that will go with all this reopening. And this is something that always, always worries me. Nothing is ever made easy. But fingers crossed, we're at least going to see Thai domestic tourism starting up soon. That'll mean the rolling out of the We Travel Together program, which is for Thai citizens only. But if you have a Thai partner, they can avail of it and you can travel with them. It's where the government pay 40% of the room rate and you pay the remaining 60%. And I've spoken about this before and I'll leave a link about this down below in the description again. It's in Thai, but if you have a Thai partner they can, or you read Thai, you can translate it yourself and understand the whole process behind this promotion. It has worked very well for a lot of hotels, but it involves the government pumping in a lot of money. And that's another issue that people have, let's say, issues with because, you know, if there's people starving on the side of the road, why are you paying for people to go travel around the country? And I legitimately understand where that's coming from. But what do you think? Do you think this is going to be kind of another drawn out state of affairs? It'll be on again, off again. I'd love to know your opinion down below in the comment section. And up next, arrest of Thai OnlyFans porn couple sparks online fury. The internet was at its wit's end today after the same Thai police who shield murderers in their ranks, shoot protesters and take an apathetic view of sexual violence swooped in to arrest an OnlyFans creator and her boyfriend. Furious condemnations poured in online over last night's arrest of Sukanya, a 19-year-old woman better known as Kainau, and her boyfriend, Harakat, at a hotel in southeast metro Bangkok. They were charged with producing and distributing obscene content according to Major General Karen Pong of Cyber Crime Investigation Bureau. Such a dramatic show of Thai police. What do Thai people benefit from this? 
tweeted activist Tanawet Ball Wang Chai this morning. The couple only made some sexual content on OnlyFans. They didn't kill anyone. How about other rape cases? Have police caught the rapist yet? Come on, Thai police, let's be serious. If convicted, they face up to three years in prison and a 60,000 baht, $1,800 fine. People condemned the police for making a big deal of pornography instead of prosecuting more serious crimes. Here I am in a country that sees filming sex for a certain group of people as a crime, Jelly Yours tweeted. But those who commit corruption and attempt murder can get away with it. Hashtag Nankai Now has been trending on Thai Twitter since this morning. It was only yesterday that Colonel Siriwat Dipur, spokesman of the Royal Thai Police, came out to warn the public that people who identify themselves as porn hoppers or sex creators would face a stiff penalty for persuading others to engage in sexual activity and violating the Computer Crimes Act, which has become a sweeping catch-all law used to prosecute everyone doing things the state doesn't like. Originally used primarily by Western creators, London-based OnlyFans was adopted by people worldwide, especially as the pandemic erupted last year. It allows people to sell subscriptions to their content and by content we're mostly referring to sex videos. Just last month OnlyFans quickly backtracked from plans to ban sexually explicit content after everyone lost their minds over the decision. Now I find the story a little bit amusing, it's quite funny. I think the Thai police have their priorities completely wrong in this case. I tend to agree a lot with what people are saying, that it certainly doesn't need to be publicized. If it's illegal, it's illegal. Fair enough. But the police have to make a big deal about it. But of course, when it came to Mr. Joe Ferrari, by the way, well, you know, they tried to shoot out under the uh, the carpet and try to ensure that he comes out of this with the least amount of time in prison. By the way, we've heard nothing about that ever since. Just an FYI there. But anyway, what do you think about this? Do you think the police are making a big deal about it? Or do you think they have a legitimate complaint? Love to know your comments down below in the comments section. And the next story, Thai solar panel factories accused of being China's tax proxies. An American solar panel manufacturer has called on the US Department of Commerce to scrutinize 14 factories in Thailand, Vietnam and Malaysia over allegations that they have been complicit in the prohibited rerouting of exports from China that would otherwise be subject to far higher US taxation. The manufacturer of crystalline silicone photovoltaic cells in the US claimed that the factories, four of which are in Thailand, may simply simply be altering the packages of the Chinese products and exporting them onwards to the country to circumvent US anti-dumping and countervailing duty, according to a source of the Commerce Ministry. The deliberation will take about 45 days from when the petition is submitted. If the allegation is found to have substance, the department will invoke tax circumvention rates that may see levies up to 95.5% being placed on the products. If the evidence is not sufficient, a public hearing will be launched ahead of court proceedings in which Thai factory owners can submit evidence of their own. The US is embroiled in a trade war against China and has implemented various tariffs such as AD, CVD and increased tariffs on Chinese products including solar panels. As a result, a number of solar panel manufacturers from China have relocated their manufacturing sites to other countries in the region, including China. Of the Thai factories named in the dispute, three of Chinese investment and another is a joint venture between China and Taiwan. 
Two of them reportedly paid the US tariff for the AD. US import data shows solar panels exported from China have been increasing since 2017, with the value of goods shipped estimated to have been 50.41 million US dollars in 2018, $502 million in 2019, and 741 million US dollars in 2020, and 604 million in 2021 so far. However, the US has also increased imports from Vietnam and Malaysia. Kirati Rushanu, Director General of Foreign Trade Department, said staff will summon four factory owners for questioning as well as providing advice concerning potential interviews with the U.S. Department. And next up, the Phuket News. Phuket reported 238 new COVID infections in the past 24 hours. One of them was from the Sandbox program. We had 77, yes, 77 international arrivals through the Sandbox scheme, all tested negative for COVID on arrival. They arrived on one flight, which was Singapore Airlines. 373 travellers tested negative for COVID during their second test, with zero testing positive, while 217 had their third test and all tested negative. Since the 1st of July, 34,880 travellers have availed of the Sandbox programme. Also worth a note that the Tourism Authority of Thailand predicted a whopping 120 59,000 travellers. In other news, cost of forced repeated tests threatened Canadian sandbox holiday. Confusion over what extra COVID tests required for sandbox tours to travel freely to other sandbox tourism locations has thrown an 11-week holiday by a retired Canadian couple into jeopardy. Tempers flare over long vaccine queue. Local officials in Chantelay have called for CAM and made quick adjustment to the queues for people waiting to receive vaccinations after tempers flared on Saturday when people were forced to wait for hours in the sun. Mass testing campaign kicks off in Phuket. Phuket has begun mass COVID-19 testing in communities suspected to be the source of the high numbers of new cases. As a result, the number of new cases is projected to surge during the operation over the next few days. Second COVID death from outbreak at Phuket Prison. Officials have confirmed that a second inmate who contracted COVID-19 while incarcerated at Phuket Provincial Prison has died from being infected with the virus. And finally, telephone cable thief arrested. A Panya man has been arrested and brought to Phuket to face charges for stealing telephone and communications cables across the island and selling them for scrap near his home in Taimuang District in Panya Province. But ultimately, with this story or anything else that stood out to you today, I'd love to know your thoughts in the comments down below. Because yes, this is a new show, but it's also a conversation. Now keep that conversation going. Make sure you like this video, subscribe to the channel, share the video, and do all the good stuff that does help that YouTube algorithm. But ultimately, my name is Kieran Mack. You've been listening to the Thai Expat Daily Show, and we will see you next time.